Yeah, so this is, uh, this is uh, Bordeaux Diaries. It's a bit obvious, but do you want to tell us where you are? I'm in Bordeaux, Matthew. This is Bordeaux Diaries. A year in the life of DMU student Callum Taylor as he studies drama in France and in French. Callum, you're now back in Bordeaux, aren't you? Yes, I'm back here, back living my life. How long have you been back now? Um, well, I came back on Sunday the 11th, but then I went back to England for three days for a night out in London and then two days with my family again quickly and then back flying through home and got back yesterday. Blimey. Are you reacclimatizing? Not really. I don't really need to anymore. I'm already I'm multicultural, you know. I'm, I'm fully acclimatised to France and England. I'm living a double life. Oh, OK. That's good. So you can just slip straight back into it. So you don't feel that your French has suffered by your... Is it a month away? Um, it, it had a little bit, but um, my first day back, I was straight back into speaking French, so I went for dinner with uh, Valerie's parents and uh, their, Valerie's cousin, who I've like helped uh, translate some of his songs for him. He's a musician, then? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's pretty good. Oh, maybe we could get some of that to play underneath this. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'll ask him if that's a call with him, and then I'll get him. I'll ask him what song he wants and send him over. Was that difficult translating songs? Uh, well, it wasn't properly translating. It was his English, but it was, some bits were a bit wrong, so I helped him out with it because he likes to do it in English because he recognises that the music industry is basically English if you want to be that really successful. Hmm, it is, but that seems a bit sad that he's kind of abandoning his own mother tongue. Well, he, don't, he doesn't do all his songs in French. And, like, for example, you know The Voice, or whatever it's... Or The Royce, the... Uh, <laughs> the generic talent show. The vocal-related talent show that rhymes with Royce. The Royce. Um, there's a French version, and they do one song French and one song English. Oh, really? Yeah, that freaked me out a bit. But that's how important it is, obviously, if you can't be a successful musician in France, apparently, unless you can sing in English. I bought Christmas presents for Valerie and Philippe, but I couldn't bring them back with me in my baggage when I first came. So when I came back from London and then going home for a few days, like two days, I brought the presents back with me then. Um, I bought Valerie like a, a book of world cheeses, like an encyclopedia of world cheeses, so that when we have cheese after dinner, we can like look up the cheese and like um, let's see where it was made, like how it started being called that and what's best to eat it with and stuff like that. So I thought it was quite quite a good gift because it's helping her with her English and it's also she like she loves cheese so it's like bird spotting but with cheese yes do you yeah. like tick them off as you go through well you could do I suppose you, you could should. do she's probably have most of France cheeses checked anyway and then for uh, for Philippe right I bought uh, he, he likes to relax um, after dinner and watch football on the sofa so I bought him one of those like blankets that has sleeves in I thought it was hilarious they, they, they took photos of him wearing it and stuff. It was well funny. <laughs> That's cool. Did they get you anything for Christmas? Anything front? Yes, I'm wearing it now. They got me like a cardigan. It's nice. Ah, oh, cool. So you're properly fitting into a kind of family unit. Yeah, I guess I am. Exchanging gifts. I'm pretty chuffed with it. It's nice. Is it particularly French? I don't know. I'm not sure. It kind of is by definition because it was bought in France, but... What was it like meeting Valerie's parents for dinner? Well, I mean, I've I've met them lots of times before, um, but, I, but it was more it was more um, like scary because 
Valerie wasn't there, so it was just totally in French. So that was kind of uh, like... Do they oh. not speak English? No, they don't, no, not a, not a word. Well, I, I taught Bernard, Valerie's dad, to say see you in a bit, but he just goes, see a bit. <laughs> and he, like, pokes his head around the corner and goes, see a bit, <laughs> when he's leaving. Well, well for the... I got my present from Elodie's mum, which is nice. What was that? I'm actually wearing that now, so it's a T-shirt. Yeah. It's like a green, a green and black T-shirt that has sort of like the silhouettes of Bracken on. But she was like, um, uh, I hope uh, it does not look like a marijuana leaf. Um, <laughs> but uh, I promise it is not. <laughs> but her, to be fair, her English accent is better than that. But Yeah, of course, you've revealed that she actually listens to this. So you've got to be careful what you say about your lovely, lovely T-shirt. That's true. And I like it. But, and you can cut the whole revelation that I know she listens to it so don't even include that in the show why? because I'll have revealed it to you but not to her so she doesn't know that you know that she listens yes how do you know then? because on Mixcloud she's signed up and it says her name as who's listened to the show because I constantly check it who's listening right I'm putting this on the iTunes version Fine. God's sake. What's her last name? I'm not telling you. What's her first name? I'm not telling you. <laughs> you think I'm an idiot? Thank you, Elodie's mum, for Callum's lovely marijuana t-shirt. <laughs> oh, Matt. I hate you. <laughs> As I said, I was flying back. I've been flying around quite a lot, so I flew from Bordeaux to London and then from London to Bordeaux as well. And, oh, the security. Security is bad. Like, I got um, searched or whatever, and then I, I wore just normal shoes. You know, normally they make people take their boots off, but I was just wearing normal shoes, made me take them off. Went over with a metal detector. In France, there was a lot of the gendarmerie, which is like armed police. There were a lot of them with guns, like with rifles and stuff. So that was a bit off-putting, a bit scary. But and also, yeah, that was that was kind of horrible. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've told you before, but the French love to talk a lot. And so after after all this with uh, Charlie Hebdo or Charlie Hebdo, uh, like every there's been a lot of talk. Everyone just talks about it and talks about it and how they feel about it and stuff. In in the street in general, or no, no, no. Like in in you know in in our, it, when I went to Valerie's parents, spoke. To, spoke about it for like an hour and a half and then with Valerie and Philippe I've spoken about it and with Elodie I've spoken about it and with my English friends I've spoken about it too. Yeah, well it's a very important issue as we touched on last time. It's um it's quite scary as well as being Yeah, it is scary. It raises quite a few interesting ethical questions about freedom of speech and you were telling us about the social media response from the people you knew in France at the time. How's the yeah. situation changed now that you're actually back in the country itself? Well, I mean, you just said, like, it's scary. I mean, most of the people in England are just scared that this might mean that something similar is going to happen in England soon. But I was on the bus, uh, and there were some uh, people drinking, and one of them did a really loud clap, and everyone on the bus covered themselves and looked over because they thought it was a gunshot, oh and even, including me. And that was, you know, that that kind of that kind of brought it home a bit, like what was actually, you know. So there's a kind of a real public scare going on. There. 
Yeah, people are, are frightened. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure people have probably seen the front cover of Charlie Hebdo, the the new one that came out after the uh, attacks. And in France, it, it, it's really, really difficult to find one. Do you want to tell us what's on the front cover of the first issue of Charlie Hebdo since the attacks happened? Yeah, it's the it's a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad holding a sign saying "Tutte pardon," which is "All is forgiven." Yeah. And it's sold out Always across forgiven. the nation, has it? They didn't have time to print loads, so they just printed the normal amount. So it sold out within seconds because most shops, it's not incredibly, it wasn't incredibly popular. Like it, a lot, most corner shops would have between five and 15 copies. Uh, they printed five million more that day, de- they came out the next day and they sold out before 6 a.m. And then they printed one million more and then that, that they've sold out as well. So it was almost impossible to get one. And they were selling on eBay for between 50 euros and like 300 euros. So why do you think that was? Was it people trying to get a piece of history? Was it people trying to show solidarity with the magazine after the awful things that have happened? Was it people endorsing the message that we shouldn't be afraid to continue uh, continue publishing these images? Um, I don't think it's a solidarity thing. I think it's more, it is a piece of history, yeah. But it's more just because it's so um, controversial. People want it. People want to see what all the fuss is about. And also because it's one after the attacks, you know, and they've seen the front cover, which it says always forgiven. But who's holding that sign? The Prophet Muhammad. So it's saying we forgive you, but we're not going to stop doing what we're doing. And we're going to carry on doing it. Middle finger up to you guys. Do you you get what I mean? Maybe middle, middle finger had sort of more negative connotations, but it's a it's a you've not you've not shaken us. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this. Would I be right in saying that you have a copy? I don't have a copy, but I've read it. Okay, how did that come about? How did you get that? Valerie's dad obtained it through a friend who works at a news agent. It is bad. What do you mean by bad? It's hard to be too specific without it not being allowed on the radio. It's, oh. it, is very, it is very offensive. The cartoons are, you know... Some, some of them aren't as bad as others, but some of them... Phew, but one thing that is worth noting, they don't focus on one particular religion or one particular kind of people. They just do everyone. So know. when you say they're bad, do you mean there's a level of offence or a level of sacredity that they address that would be seen as controversial? They push, they're pushing the boundary big time. The sort of stuff that wouldn't be published in England. Okay, is it possible for you to try and give us some kind of idea? It's meant to be satire, isn't it? Are they addressing yeah. current issues or are they addressing the attacks that happened to their own office? Um, yeah, there's there's a big like um, bit written about about just we Charlie and um, the reaction of the people and stuff. And there's there's a big thing about how um, people say just we Charlie may, which is I'm Charlie, but. And they're saying, look, there's no but. You either are or you aren't, or you aren't with us. Uh, there was a cartoon of, it was like a priest, uh, and um, there's all these women on the front row of the church with their mouths open, like they're going to engage in a sexual act with the priest, and he's giving them um, communion. You know, you give, but he's got like a little speech bubble saying, um, Lord, forgive these cocksuckers or something like that. And then there's another one where, the Islam, like the extreme Islamists, like the people behind the attack, are all sitting around in a table, and they're like, "Oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't attack Charlie Hebdo." And then, and then he says, "Yeah, but we should send some uh, um, suicide bombers in to take them out, 
so that then we can have all the virgins in heaven, stuff like that. Okay, and when you say that they have a bit which addresses what happened and the Je suis Charlie movement, with it being a satirical magazine, do they step back for a moment and have a serious section, or is it, has it yeah. all kind of laced with humour still? It's hard, to be honest, it's, it's hard for me to know completely because obviously I'm not French, and so reading it was a big effort. <laughs> Finding humour in a foreign language is really difficult because that's in the subtlety of the language. But it seemed to me, at least, that the big bit was entirely serious. Uh, but then they took the mick out of the uh, the big th- you know, big groups of people in the street. They said, look, pros and cons of it. What about the French people around you? How did they react to the content? Um, to be honest, I don't think they've read it. Like, I don't know anyone else who's read it, apart from the people, you know, Valerie and Philippe and Bernard. And they just had the same sort of reaction to me, which was, yeah, it's funny, but phew, it's bad. Okay. None of the other students have got a copy. They might do. I've not spoken with it about, about about it with them. I don't think students would be too up for getting up at half five, six in the morning to get a satirical magazine. But the, the fact that we call it satirical is interesting because in England, satire is generally a way of, you know, you, you're taking the mick out of people in power mm. so that the people who don't have power feel empowered by through doing that. See what I mean? Yeah, you kick but, up rather than down. Yeah, but Muslim extremists don't have any power. And just make putting them in satire sort of gives them a fake power. Do you see what I mean? It's not empowering the the the, gen, the you know the general people to. I don't know. I think I think there's a big difference in satire in England than there is in France. I can't think of anything in that magazine that would you would not. I wouldn't get published in England. Like it wouldn't just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't. I, I see where you're coming from, but surely the fact that they have published that issue, even just with that cover image, suggests that they're denying the people who attacked them the power to censor them. Yeah, now they are. But b- beforehand, in my opinion, it's not fair game for satire to draw the Prophet Muhammad. In my opinion, I don't think it's right to, to, to draw the Prophet Muhammad and publish it in such a huge way. So just out of respect, it's not all Muslims who, who who are doing this. It's just a tiny amount of people who I wouldn't even want to call Muslims. Just, do you know what I mean? It's not it's not really fair, I don't think. It's not fair. I think that's uh, a personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's my opinion. But is that the kind of conversation you've been having with other French people? Yeah, yeah. But I've got to be careful because I don't want to offend anyone and it's a raw kind of raw time. No, of course. So do you think from seeing the initial news of it from an English point of view, as you were in England at the time, do you think maybe our media and international media have painted it almost as a David and Goliath fight in which Charlie Hebdo are the underdogs who have then conquered this great rival when really that might not be the real dynamic? Yeah. You've, you've summarised that brilliantly, yeah, definitely. And it's not for us to say whether that's right or wrong, but it's interesting that your perspective on it might have changed depending on which country you're in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I get, in England, you know, this is all kind of old news now, but in France it's still, you know, it's still everywhere. It's still on the news. There's still, like, for example, um, there was a story where some uh, some children at school, there's been lots of minute silences and stuff, the children at school were asked to do a minute silence and they just refused. Why? 
Well, see, this is the thing. It sounds really bad, but the children were like four or something or six. Oh, right, they weren't of an age where they could comprehend. They can understand, yeah, exactly. But people in France were getting annoyed about it. Like, oh, they should, you know, this is indic- This is indicative of our education system. It needs to be more strict. Like, they don't have any respect. And I, I'm thinking they're four like, or six, I can't remember. Like, but even so, six is still, like, I remember having minute silences when I was really, really young for um, Remembrance Day. And thinking, oh, this is exciting. We're all going into the playground and going in a circle. We have to be silent. Oh, and I can look at all my mates and be like, oh, this is funny. Because I didn't understand what I was being silent for. And you shouldn't be expected to be, do something if you don't know why you're even doing it. So do you think that's an indication of a wider hysteria? Um... I think it's an indication of the fact that France are looking for people to fingers to point and, and things to change. You know, like, for example, 9-11, the amount of legislation that got passed after 9-11 out of pure fear, which then actually, in retrospect, hasn't really helped. It's the same. People are worried the same is going to happen in France now. They're going to. There's been attacks on people's freedom, like Charlie Hebdo, the freedom of the freedom of um, of the media, freedom of speech, and now legislation is actually going to be passed, which is going to diminish freedom of speech. In, but they're trying to be, protect themselves. But in reality, all they're doing is giving, is is, is taking away what the, the what they were trying to take away from Charlie Hebdo, which is freedom of speech. And what do you see happening next? Do you think this is going to be something that's going to be in the mind of the public for the rest of your time in France? Do you think it's really changed the way this year's panning out for you? Um, I don't think it's going to massively change the year I'm going to have here. I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because what would be different? But, I mean, there's a lot of... There's a bit of graffiti everywhere, but there's also, you know, um, like advertising space like yeah. that you have to pay for. There's a lot of that being taken up in Bordeaux with just we Charlie, like official posters. It just makes me think, like, does that, does that mean the government are putting money behind this? Like, that, that, make, that makes me worry a bit. Or is it could right? be private individuals. No, but it's the same, um, it's been the same sort of, it's been presented the exact same way, same font, same, you know. Yeah, oh, that's on, interesting. On, on, like, you know, bus stops. Yeah. Like, that kind of advertising space. But didn't the French government fund this issue of Charlie Hebdo? Yeah, I think they have, but I'm, I'm saying, is that right? Yeah, and you're worried that maybe this kind of reactionary, instant action that they're taking might not be fully informed? Not that, but it's meant to be... It's meant to be charity. It's not meant to... No-one's meant to be having to put money behind... Reminding people that freedom of speech is right, if that's even what they're actually trying to do. Maybe I'm getting a bit conspiracy theorist now, but I don't know. It just worries me when there's a big tragedy and then the government decides to put however much money behind. Well, it's understandable that you might have a kind of paranoia about things going on, as I expect a lot of people in France do at the moment. Yeah. Well, it will be interesting to continue hearing how it develops, how... France as a country might change, how its laws might change in the time you're there, and how your day-to-day life is affected by that.